In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6, the Apostle Paul says, I'm being poured out as a drink offering. Paul's coming toward the end of his life. These are some of the last words that he will ever write to anybody, and, and certainly to Timothy. Paul's in prison awaiting execution. And what he says is, I'm already being poured out as a drink offering. Last time we drilled on, down on the example of the Apostle Paul when he used the same kind of language in Philippians chapter 2, verse 17, when he said, I'm being poured out as a drink offering on the sacrifice and service of your faith, and I am glad and rejoice with all of you. And we try to talk a little bit, we try to think a little bit, what does it mean to live a life as somebody who's being poured out as a drink offering? The Apostle Paul, this was not like a one-time deal for him. It's something that he talked about throughout his life as a servant of Jesus Christ. It was the normal mode of operation for Paul to live as one who was being poured out as an offering to God for the blessings of others. Today, last time we talked about a little bit about what that meant. Today, I want to talk a little bit more about how we live a life that is poured out. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word again. And thank you for your Holy Spirit. I thank you for how rich you make us if we would listen. And Lord, I want to listen. Lord, I want to confess to you from the outset that I don't want to sacrifice. I want to pursue my own advantages. I want to experience comfort. I want to experience ease and um and the whole idea of, of genuine surrender just goes against my nature. And so, Lord, I'm probably not the only one who experiences that. And yet we know better. Help us, Lord, to live as Christ. Through Christ we pray. Amen. Many have pointed out that the Christian sacrifice is an act of the will, not an act of emotion. To live as one who's poured out for God and for others is not something we feel like doing. It's something we choose to do out of love for God and love for others. We have to, that means we have to overcome our emotional resistance that rebels against sacrificing for others. Again, human nature is self-protecting at best, self-seeking at worst. Most of the time, I don't feel like sacrificing. Do you? When I was a kid, I didn't want to let the adults go first through the line to get food. I didn't want to patiently wait so others could you know, go before me. I don't want to sacrifice for others. I didn't want to have to you know, give up something I enjoyed so that a sibling might be able to go first or enjoy something more. Most of the time, sacrifice is a non-emotional choice. Emotive people always have a hard time sacrificing, especially once the sacrifice gets real. So the first step to living a poured out life, as Paul says, is tell God about it. Be honest to God about your desire. Go public with God. Say, God, I am ready to be poured out as a sacrifice for you as a blessing to others. And be honest to say, I don't know that I, I uh, emotional Lord, I, I know I'm not quite there, but Lord, I am ready. I know 
it's right. I love the old song that says, make my life a living sacrifice, knowing it's the least that I can do. Take my life, a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable for you. This is counter-emotional for me, but that prayer, that song of worship helps me tap into God's strength. Lord, make my life a living sacrifice for you. The psalm said, the Lord is my refuge and strength. Unless God gives me strength, I can't do it on my own. I don't have the strength to obey. It's only in trusting God. God, I'm going to be poured out for others. You have to pour yourself into me. God, I'm going to surrender strength for others. Lord, I can't do it unless you strengthen me. Tell God. Next then, accept the consequences of your act of the will, of your surrender to God. Accept the consequences to come without complaints. Philippians chapter 2, verse 14, the Apostle Paul says, do everything without grumbling and arguing. I hate this verse. Do everything without grumbling or arguing, except when you really feel like it. No, except when, you know, you are entitled to do everything without grumbling and arguing so that you may be blameless and pure children of God. Children of God do everything without complaining or arguing. That's hard. Honestly, if I'm sacrificing, grumbling about my sacrifice seems to make it a little bit easier to endure. It's kind of like Lamaze. You need a focal point. You know, I, I understand. I understand. You need a focal point in the middle of the pain. And, and so when you're going through some sacrifice, you know, it's kind of like the grumbling gives you a little focal point to kind of ease the pain of what you're going through. But once you say, God, make my life a living sacrifice, don't be surprised when he answers the prayer. And so you accept it without grumbling or complaining. Joseph had a dream that he would be greatly used by God. God fulfilled the dream, but it led him through slavery and prison. Peter, James, and John all said to Jesus, we want to drink the cup that you drink. We are willing, Lord. And they all did. James became the first apostle martyred. Peter was crucified upside down. John was, they tried to kill him, tried to boil him in oil according to tradition. And he lived the last of his years on the island of Patmos. For many people who tell God that they are ready to be poured out for him, um, from the outside, their lives may not appear to change. Many may never see or appreciate how they're being poured out for others. And so it's natural at that point, maybe to grumble and complain to yourself or even to grumble and complain to others so that they, maybe they will appreciate you. And that would be some kind of payoff for you. No. Jesus said, that's why we need to count the cost up front. You tell God, I'm ready to live as a sacrifice. And then you count the cost and don't be surprised when you have to pay the price. The Bible says in chapter, uh, Luke chapter 14, great crowds were traveling with Jesus. And he turned and said, whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you wanting to build a tower doesn't first sit down and calculate the cost 
to see if he has enough to complete it. Otherwise, after he has laid the foundation and cannot finish it, all the onlookers will begin to ridicule him, saying, This man started to build and wasn't able to finish. First tell God, I'm ready to be poured out for you no matter what the cost, and Lord, I will not complain. I will accept what you send my way. Jesus goes on, what king going to war against another king will not first sit down and decide if he is able with 10,000 to oppose the one who's coming against him with 20,000? If not, while the other is still far off, he sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace. In the same way, therefore, every one of you who does not renounce his possessions cannot be my disciples. Jesus, count the cost. And sometimes what you give up is not just financial on Sunday morning. What you give up is emotional and requires a sacrifice of energy and time. But Jesus said, anybody who follows after me must pour himself out for others. Count the cost. So when you experience the consequences, when you experience the cost of following Jesus, you're not surprised. You're not caught off guard. You say, hey, this is just part of the deal, but I'm living for Christ. I'm living for his purposes. And there's joy in obedience. I think about missionaries who've gone into dangerous places knowing that there's a pretty good chance that to serve God means to die for God. Some would sell everything that they had and whatever they couldn't sell, they would put into coffins, symbolically saying, we are surrendering our lives completely to God, to the kingdom. There was commitment, but no surprise at the sacrifice that would be required of them in the days ahead. And most of them did not return home again. And yet there were no complaints. One thing is sure. I mean, there were complaints, but this prepared them to not be surprised if we're not complaining when difficult things happened. One thing is for sure, if you don't deal with God on the will level first, if you don't settle it up front, I expect to pay the price, then what will happen is that you will tend to feel sorry for yourself when the sacrifice is demanded, or you'll start comparing yourself to others who aren't sacrificing as much, and you'll be tempted to feel like you somehow are being robbed. I remember growing up in a church where it seemed like so many people in the church simply expected that they would sacrifice. Harold Hills and my dad worked long hours to build an addition on our church building. They didn't complain. That was just what it meant for them to serve as Christians. You know, every Sunday, the church where I grew up, there were a bunch of families that expected that they would be responsible for the church. You know, they would be there when the doors opened up because they were responsible to teach classes or to lead worship. And they were there until the, the, the doors closed. These were volunteers. They were not paid people, but they had a responsibility. But it wasn't a big deal. It's just what it meant to be a real member of the church. Sunday night, youth volunteers would show up 
people like my parents or the Smiths or the Hills or the Eastlicks or others, and they would lead the youth groups in various rooms, even though it meant, <laughs> it meant preparing lessons, even though they had been at church and worship services all morning long, they had a few hours in the afternoon, and here they are back again. Even though it meant during football season, you never got to see the second half of the four o'clock game. I think I was, I know I was an adult before I ever saw the ending of Wizard of Oz. Because it was always shown on Sunday night and I always had to go to church and miss the ending. But that's just what it meant to be a Christian. They didn't complain. In fact, you know, I, I, I hear people saying their, their kids complain about having to spend too much time in the church. I'm thinking, I don't know any kids that spend more time in the church than my brothers and sisters and a lot of the people that, who are our best friends. But we never complained about it. Okay, we felt tired, but I don't think we ever complained because we just knew this is what you are as followers of Jesus Christ. This is what it means to be the church. And that's why that church became a family to me. One reason anyway. You know, on holidays, we have special services now. And we did that as well. During the summer breaks, there might be a week or two weeks of vacation Bible school. And they were able to pull it off because there were people who served. That's just what it meant for them to give up two weeks to teach kids about Jesus. It was a sacrifice, but it was a joy. It was difficult, but it was worth it all. Today, would you ever consider giving up your entire, most of your Christmas day to serve others so others can worship, so others can bring their kids and have a safe place for their kids to be held and cared for while they, while, while, while newcomers worship and experience Christ? Um, would you ever consider being in a worship band where you give up your Christmas Eve because we do five services and your Christmas morning um, or, or your, the Sunday morning after Christmas. Would that just feel like a tremendous sacrifice? Well, yeah, it would if you're comparing yourself with other people who aren't Christians, with other people who don't know what it is to be like the Apostle Paul, being poured out on the sacrifice as a sacrifice to God on the service of others in a way that brings joy why do people hesitate to do that? I think that people want to be part. They 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 they, they ascend to the desire to want to be like Paul, pouring themselves out to God for others. But they haven't dealt with the will. They haven't come to terms with the unemotional choice. I will be poured out for God, for the blessings of others, because this is what it means to be a follower of Jesus. This is what it means to love others. And we don't complain. We don't grumble because it's a joy, even though it's painful, to fulfill the purposes of God with your life. Here's the challenge. Bind your sacrifice on the altar of God. 
well, I've gone too long. Let me, let me actually pick this up next time and, and we'll do a really short one next time. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, um, make us your people. Give us a vision for what it means. We, we uh, live in such an age where churches um, just don't sacrifice like they once did. Where Christians think, compare them, their sacrifice to the people in the world's sacrifice, and they feel like they're um, really doing something amazing if they, um, if they are sacrificing for you more than others around them. Oh Lord, help us to have a vision of Christ, to listen to the calling of Christ, and for this not just to be a beautiful song, <laughs> lyric of, you know, Lord, make my life a sacrifice for you, but something we actually live, holy and acceptable to you and joyful as well. Through Christ we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining. Next time, we'll have a real short time um, together. See you then.